Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this hour of worship. It is a joy to be with you all this morning. I want to extend a special welcome to those who are joining us online through our live streaming service, as well as those who are tuning in on the radio through WRR. For everyone in our pews, if you haven't done so already, there are friendship registry paths at the end of your pews. If you could take that and note your attendance and pass it down the aisle. As we are in a blended service, it continues to be a wonderful way for us to learn the names of those who are sitting around us so we can grow as a family of faith. If you are new and visiting among us, we're so glad that you have found your way here. Please join us for fellowship after worship. There will be treats in the atrium. And on the atrium counter, there are welcome bags and members with bright yellow name tags who are eager to welcome you, to get to know you, um, and provide any information you're looking for in terms of this family of faith. In the pew in front of you, you'll notice a card, a two-sided card. One side is a connection card. If you're looking for a new way to connect in this church or a way to grow deeper in your faith, please use this connection card to let your leadership know how we can journey with you in your journey of faith. And on the other side is a prayer card. It is always an honor and a privilege as one of your pastors to pray with you for those joys and concerns that you carry with you throughout the week. So if you want to share those with us, please use that card and you can drop those in the offering plate as they come through later in the service. I have several announcements this morning. The first one is that after worship today, there is a special lunch for our Senior Sunday Lunch to have lunch with one of our newest staff members, Malin Height. Malin is our coordinator for congregational care and senior adult ministry. You try to say that back to me. <laughs> congregational care and senior adult ministry. If you haven't met Malin already, this is a wonderful time to do so. And I know Malin is so excited to meet all of you. And you, at the luncheon, you can also learn more about the upcoming tour of the Biblical Arts Museum that's coming up on Wednesday. So all of you who self-identify as senior among us, that you please join us for this luncheon. And um, if you haven't noticed already in your bulletin, you know what these are, newspapers. It's not a dying medium. And, in and we're teaching uh, our, the ch children in our congregation what newspapers are because they've put this together during our first ever journalism camp. It's such a wonderful gift that they've done. They've interviewed church members and staff, and they've gone into different places around the city to learn more about how to put together stories, how to do storytelling and truth-telling. Um, so I want to especially thank all of the volunteers and church members and our staff who made this camp possible and all of our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders for their wonderful work that week. My uh, last announcement is a personal announcement. On behalf of my family, my husband Alex, our son Owen, and myself, I'm really excited to announce that we are expecting a new member in our family this year. <laughs> and we are such, uh, as two pastors, we are such fans of the Advent season that this child is due December 20th. <laughs> So we covet all of your prayers for our family and for my wonderful pastoral team here. So thank you for, for this joining me and celebrating this uh, joyous occasion in our family. 
Our worship theme for this morning is that we're going to focus on word, sacrament, and overlooked nourishment. If you're like me, I run around a lot, and if I open my car door, you'll find candy wrappers and cookie wrappers and granola bar wrappers falling out of my car, but I'm always feeding and sustaining myself in ways that are not focused, that are not intentional. Um, but either way, God gives us what we need. That when we focus on God's word, when we focus on worship, this is a type of nourishment that we cannot find in any other place. So friends, as you settle in, take a deep breath, listen, and look for the ways God feeds us through this family, through God's word, through God's songs, and through all of our prayers. Friends, let us worship holy God.
lifted up. God of the table, you have given us a world of abundance, abundant resources, abundant potential, abundant love. And yet when we look around and see only scarcity, it seems no one has enough resources, enough potential, or enough together. Good morning. How are you feeling this morning? Thumbs up? 
thumb sideways, thumbs down, a couple of thumbs down. It's summertime, I know our schedules are off. Well, no matter where our thumbs are, I'm so happy to see you. And this morning, I want to talk to us about food. How many of you like food? I know you do. <laughs> yeah, I love food. What are some of your favorite foods? Parker? Broccoli, oh goodness, that's special. What about you? <laughs> Hamburgers and chicken nuggets? <laughs> Macaroni and cheese and steak. Man, you guys got good combos. Same thing? Okay. Macaroni and cheese and bacon? Wow. Who's, we're all getting hungry, huh? Scrambled eggs, yum. Broccoli, whoa, I need to bring Owen so he can hear this from y'all. What about you, Emily? Mac and cheese and fruit. Wow, you guys have such good, well-rounded palates. I love it. So why is it important for us to eat? It's something we do every day, at least three times a day, so we don't die. Yeah. <laughs> So what does, food, what does food do for our bodies? How does it keep us from dying? Nutrients, yeah, it gives us vitamins. What do you think? Air, it gives us, yeah, it gives us all of these special things that our body needs to grow strong and to be healthy. It gives us energy and nutrients. Parker, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it helps us not get sick. So food is so important for us. So this morning, Pastor Matthew is going to read to us a story about Jesus sharing food with his disciples. And in this story, he shares bread with them. And he takes bread and he blesses it. He breaks it and, it, and he gives each of them bread. And this is something that has become a tradition in the church. Do you guys know what this tradition is called? Communion. Yeah, communion. And there are other words for it, too. We might call it the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. There's different names for this. But it's a tradition that's so important for us here that we do this same act over and over again, that we take bread and we break it, and we bless it, and we give it to each other. And we do this because we remember that, you know, even, even though it is all of this food that keeps us healthy and alive, at the end of the day, it is really God who gives us this food, right? It's God who makes sure that our earth has what it needs so that we can grow this food, that there are people on this planet who can bring the food and help make it and put it on our tables, and ultimately, we do this at the church. We always have food around us at the church because it brings people together. It's fun to eat with a family. It's fun to eat with our friends and have food at a party. It's fun to eat, I know, because all of that not only keeps us healthy, but it gives us joy. And that's the kind of life that God wants us to live. Not only to be full in our bellies, but to be full in our hearts and our spirits. And that's the gift of the church. 
and that's the gift of communion. So will you pray after me? We're going to do an echo prayer. So let's pray and give thanks to God. Say, dear God, thank you for giving us bread. Thank you for all the times we get to eat with our friends and family. All good things come from you. And help us to share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your seats. Thank you, thank you. Friends, as we prepare to hear God's word, let us pray together. Holy God, we are hungry. We are hungry for truth and for grace and for love. So nourish us this day with better food than we can ever purchase or engineer or manufacture. Your word, your love, your spirit, your daily bread for life's journey all in the company of Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue with our summer series this Sunday, A Sacred Ordinary Life. And we're going to be uh, focused on the meal table, food, as Kathy and our children just explored. And so we're going to turn um, to the Gospel of Luke this morning and to the 24th chapter. And just to set the context, Jesus uh, has been crucified. Uh, the women have gone to the tomb. They have mistaken him for the gardener. And uh, now Cleopas and another disciple who is unnamed are walking down a road towards Emmaus. Uh, the text will tell us that Emmaus was uh, about seven miles away from Jerusalem, but uh, modern-day scholars actually don't know where Emmaus is. And so a lot of theologians, a lot of preachers uh, have preached that Emmaus is that place in our lives where we feel like we don't know where we're going, where we're ultimately lost, the place of our deepest grief and our deepest sadness, and this is the very place that Jesus encounters them but they don't know it. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Listen to this story, because I believe there's power in this story for our lives and for our world. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, uh, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, uh, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? 
Jesus asked them, what things? They replied, the things, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a mighty prophet in deed and in word before God and all the people. And how, you know, our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, uh, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Uh, moreover, some women in our group uh, astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have declared, was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, uh, Jesus walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they will be your word to us here and now. And we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and to the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, uh, my grandmother, my Nana, came to visit us here in Dallas. You should know that a, a visit from my Nana is not complete without her bringing a homemade treat along with her. So in true Nana form, she packed two very large mason jars of her homemade fig preserves 
put them right there in the carry-on luggage. She uh, got to the security checkpoint. The bag went through. The screen lit up like a Christmas tree. And the TSA agent said, ma'am, I'm going to need you to come over here with me. Is this your bag? She said, oh, yes, honey, it is my bag. <laughs> and she said, what are these? She said, oh, those are uh, fig preserves for my, my, for my grandson. And the TSA agent looked at her and said, well, ma'am, techno technically they're a liquid and you're not allowed to have them. And she said, well, why not? And she said, well, you're not allowed to have liquids on an airplane. And then he said, but they, they, they do look good. Where do you get your figs? And she said, oh, we have a fig tree in our backyard. I go out and I pick them up and I make these fig preserves for my grandson. They're his favorite. And he said, well, I'm not sure I've ever had homemade fig preserves. She said, we should open the jar right here. You should have a taste of mine. <laughs> then she said, why, well, I'm traveling all the way to Dallas. Have I mentioned that these fig preserves are my grandson's favorite? And have I mentioned that he's a minister? <laughs> My Nana played the minister card. I don't even play the minister card. I don't even play the minister card when I get pulled over for speeding. All right, back to the TSA officer. So the TSA officer was standing there, he smiled. And he said, well, ma'am, I'm not really supposed to do this, but why don't you just put those back in your bag and tell your grandson to really enjoy him. But next time, why don't, why don't you just mail those right on over to his church? <laughs> My Nana is the only person I've ever known to get through TSA security with a liquid in my life. <laughs> but it seems that that agent, seems to me that that agent's heart recognized how important those fig preserves were to my Nana and how important they were to me. It seems to me that the TSA agent's heart knew that those fig preserves were more than just mere fig preserves. They were my Nana's love and care canned in a mason jar. Looking back on it, I'm not really sure it was the smartest move by the TSA agent. I'm sure he could have gotten in trouble for what he did, but his heart directed him in a different direction from what his brain told him he should do. Our hearts often know, don't they? Our hearts often know what to do before our minds do. Seems to me that food has a way of proving that point. Food transcends words. For, uh, food digs down deep into our memories. It, it, it embodies what we most value. It's why we go out uh, to celebrate graduations. It's why we go out to celebrate anniversaries and birthdays. It's why if I uh, came down from the pulpit and sat right there in the pew with you this morning and I asked you about the best meal of your entire life, you could recount verbatim what you had, who was at the table, and how you spent the night 
into the wee hours of the morning, laughing until you cried, sharing memories with one another. Oh, it's why we can all remember that favorite dish that our nanas or our papas used to make for us or that recipe that your mother used to make for you. It's why many of us can remember the hospitality that we have received. Maybe when we were a stranger in a foreign land, when someone has gone above and beyond and put a feast down right in front of us. It's why we can remember when someone has dropped over a casserole. They knocked on the door and there it was. A casserole right after we lost our beloved or when we had just come home from the hospital and we didn't know which way was up. Food's a physical manifestation. It communicates far beyond words. It's a physical manifestation of comfort and love and hospitality and nourishment, generosity, sharing, and grace. Fig preserves and mason, mason jars. U.S. Poet Laureate Lulu Heil says that the world begins at the table. I think she's right. Food brings us together, and food places us around table with those that we love, and sometimes with those that we barely know. Dinner tables can be comfortable and uncomfortable, depending on who got invited. You know, if we were to uh, read the Gospel of Luke, if we were to read Luke's Gospel all the way through this morning, we would see that Jesus spends a lot of time sitting at tables, sometimes with his disciples, but mostly with the most unlikely of dinner guests. It's at these tables that Jesus teaches but also embodies what he has been trying to teach. You see, Jesus' words take on flesh at the table. They come to life when he eats with sinners and outcasts and tax collectors and the religious elite. Remember, Jesus was at Levi the tax collector's house when he says, you know, I've come not for good and righteous and religious folk, but I've come for sinners Powerful words at the dinner table, considering present company. God in the flesh, breaking bread with tax collectors. Oh, I'm sure you remember when Jesus was at table with Simon the Pharisee. Right after he asked if they could pass the bread, Jesus said, If you can't admit that you have much to be forgiven for, you can't possibly show much love. Pretty loaded statement considering that Pharisees felt that they held the standard of what was good and righteous. Jesus is sharing his life even with them. Or maybe you'll remember this table. On the night of his arrest, Jesus was at table with his disciples. Uh, they were a motley crew, by the way. Men and women from every walk of life. Jesus uh, deviates from the ancient scripts. He, he, he takes bread and wine and he says, I'm the only way for you to pass over. I'm the only way for you to pass over from despair to new life, 
from sorrow to celebration, from bondage to freedom. And just so you'll never forget that, whenever you break bread or pour out wine, do it in remembrance of me. Oh, it's at these diverse dinner tables. If you read in the Gospel of Luke, there are eight of them. It's at these dinner tables that we catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Uh, We catch a glimpse of Jesus ushering that kingdom into the world. In a simple act that I believe continues today. It's a kingdom. It's an invitation to us all to recognize that the teachings of Jesus will eventually lead us back to one another. That every teaching of Christ will lead us back to table together. And what will be known as the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from north and south and east and west and sit at table. It's a kingdom and a meal that reveals that there's not a table that Jesus eats at, that you are not welcome. For we all belong to God. And Jesus invites us to live like we belong to one another. So we shouldn't be all that surprised, frankly, when Jesus meets Cleopas and this other disciple on the road to Emmaus. We shouldn't be surprised that he's eventually going to lead them back to table. So true to form, Jesus meets them in their grief, in their sadness, And they end up back at the supper table where the words that Jesus has been speaking to them all day long take on life when Jesus takes that bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them and their eyes were opened. Their eyes could finally see what their hearts had felt all day long were our hearts not burning within us, they said. They can see the promise that was right in front of them the whole time. They recognized that even through death they belonged to Christ. Therefore, they belonged to one another. It was a moment of grace. It was a moment of grace for Cleopas and that disciple that illumined that Christ is at every table and every meal. And therefore, every meal is a banquet feast in the kingdom of God because there is no table where Christ is not present. It seems to me that those moments of grace and revelation aren't reserved just for those in the pages of scripture. They happen to us as well. And they happen most often around table and through food. I'm reminded of the story that the Methodist minister Fred Craddock tells. Craddock says, when I was in Germany studying for a year, I'd been down in Zurich for several days. The entire time I was in Zurich, I was away from my family and I was missing them and I got lonely. So I got on a train. And before I got on the train, I grabbed a a sandwich. And on the German trains, Craddock said, I would usually try to get a, a place in a compartment where there were already several people so I could practice my German. He said my German was not very good. And so the train that I got on that day, every compartment was full except the very last car where there was an elderly woman 
Craddock said, I figured if I went in there, that makes two of us. That gives me 50% of the conversation. He wondered if he could handle it. He had broken German. He said, I had no choice. He sat down next to the woman and he said, I, I tried a few German sentences on her. I said, I'm going to Stuttgart. Where are you going? She said, I'm going to Rostock. Rostock, he said. Rostock, uh, Rostock's in communist Germany. And so he said, are you a communist? And she said, no, I'm a Christian. And Craddock said, well, I'm, I'm an American, but I'm, I'm a Christian. And we began to talk. He asked her, what, what is it like to be a Christian in communist Germany? She said, what is it like to be a Christian in America? <laughs> she said, you know, my grandkids tell me. They call America the happy land. Craddock said, well, it's not too happy lately. It's the 1960s. We had assassinations and terrible things happening. Craddock said, we, we continued having this wonderful conversation, and I got hungry, but I didn't want to eat my sandwich in front of this lady. Finally, I thought I could at least share my sandwich, so I pulled it out, but it was made on German bread, which is really hard to break, and so I got into a tug of war right in front of this lady. Finally, when it broke, he said, I handed out half to her. He said, I hadn't noticed in the struggle to break that sandwich that she had peeled an orange and was extending me half of her orange. As she received half of my sandwich, I took half of her orange. We continued talking about being Christian in Germany and in America. We got to Stuttgart. We parted ways and we simply said to one another, may God be with you. May God be with you. Craddock says, I could have sworn we had communion right there on the train. He said, since that moment, I've been in hundreds of churches. And the very first thing I do when I go into a church is to study the menu. I find it's the same in every single church, one half sandwich, one half orange. It's the Christian way. Craddock says, I've often thought about that lady. I've often thought about where she ended up. I've often wondered just how far I am on a given day from Rostock. Do you have any idea how far away that is? How many hundreds of miles? How many thousands of miles? Craddock says, I checked. It's from that side of the table to that side of the table. That's how far it is. Friends, I wish we were having communion this morning. I wish we were going to have communion right this second so that our hearts could burn as we tasted bread and wine and remembered that the only distance between any of us is the distance 
across this table. I wish we were having communion this morning so that in these divided times when we seem fractured on everything, we could recognize that the only distance between us is the distance of this table. But I'm afraid if we had communion this morning, our instinct would maybe to have communion and then forget. So my invitation to you today, my invitation to you this week, to each and every one of us, is to go forth from this hour of worship. And remember at your lunch table today, and at your dinner tomorrow, and at your business lunch on Thursday, and at your barbecue meal on Friday afternoon, that every single meal shared with others is an opportunity to recognize that we are never, ever farther than a table apart. For my friends, when we live as though that were true, when we remember that, our hearts will burn because we will be returned to God. We will be returned to one another. And our eyes will see that Jesus has been at table with us the whole time. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, worlds without end. Amen. Having been fed by God's word, let us rise together in body and spirit and say what it is that we believe. How can we taste the goodness of God? We can taste God's goodness in the Lord's Supper, a sacrament of the New Testament, wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to the appointment of Jesus Christ, his death is showed forth, and they that worthily communicate feed upon his body and blood to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace, have their union and communion with him confirmed, testify and renew their thankfulness and engagement to God, and their mutual love and fellowship with each other as members of the same mystical body.
Please be seated. As we turn our hearts to God in prayer, I want to remind you of a practice that we have here at our congregation, that there are care letters that are waiting for us just outside of the north transept doors. As you leave this place, may you add your signature as a sign of prayer to someone in our midst who is in need. This morning, we want to lift up a few additional prayers. We want to celebrate with Ashley and Andrew Winkleman on the birth of their daughter, Arielle. So we pray for them and their health in this new time of growth in their family. We also want to remember that our junior high youth and supervisors are heading to Heifer Ranch in Perryville, Arkansas this week, where they will enjoy a time of service together and embark in a poverty immersion experience at the Heifer Global Village. And another big thing this week is that about 100 of our members, our sanctuary choir, will be headed to Scotland this week where they will have concerts in Durham Chapel and at St. Giles and St. Mary's Cathedral in Edinburgh. So prayers for them and all those who happen to show up at the airport at the same time that they do. <laughs> Let us pray. God, giver of all good gifts, thank you for sending your son, Jesus the Christ, to be the bread of life for this world. We thank you for the gift of new life, for baby Ariel, and the new possibilities you bring each day to all of us. We call on you with thanksgiving on this ordinary day trusting that you meet us here and sustain us with all that we need. We set you apart as the one deserving of all our praise, and we rest this day in your nourishing love and faithfulness. We lift up to you all who are sick, suffering, or struggling. Increase the strength of those who are weak. We remember those who govern nations and hold power in this world. Speak your words of wisdom and justice and let there be ears to hear. We lift up to you this day all whose daily need for healthy food, clean water, and proper shelter goes unmet in our community of faith in neighborhoods of our city and around the world you love. We offer thanks and praise this day for the work of all those who partner in mission of daily bread. And we pray especially for the experience of our youth who will learn about what this means around the world in their time together at Heifer Ranch. We pray that you'll have mercy on any whose lives have been broken by violence and crime, both in our cities and around this world. Feed them with hope and a new life in Christ and the companionship of your mercy. And bless our siblings in prison and those who minister to them. 
Feed all who are sick or sorrowing with healing and consolation through Christ and meet the needs of any we know by name who are suffering and struggling and whom we now name silently in our own hearts. Holy God, we call upon you for ourselves, for your traveling mercies to accompany our sanctuary choir, for the gift of their music to reflect your love and beauty in this world. We pray that in whatever trouble or trial we may find ourselves in, that you would walk alongside with us, guide us in your service. O Lord, make good the purposes for which you have called us, Feed us with the bread of life. Help us to trust in your enduring love, made real for us in Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's a wonderful Haitian proverb that says, God gives but does not divide. Meaning God gives everything that we need. God gives nourishment to the earth that we would have bounty from God's creation. God gives us food for our tables, and God gives us the gifts of one another that it might nourish our spirits and our souls. We then are invited, having experienced the good gifts of God, to share those gifts that all might have enough. This month, our Every Dollar Counts offering those single-dollar bills that are placed in the offering plate will go to support the work of Presbyterian Disaster Assistance which cares for churches and communities affected by catastrophic events and crises such as hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. We also have another opportunity over the next several weeks to support our annual school supply drive that helps teachers and staff at McShan Elementary. You will find a card with a list of supplies and also in the PRACs um, and in the atrium. So we invite you following worship to take um, time to look over those opportunities and to consider contributing school supplies for students and teachers at McShan. Friends, there is no shortage of ways to give all of the gifts that God has given us. So let us give generously this morning our morning tithes and offerings.
Lord, you take delight in us and you fill our lives with every good thing so that all may hunger, may share in your joy. So receive this morning what we offer as testimony to your goodness and to your grace. Let these gifts lead rejoicing in your church and all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. not a table that exists in this world where Christ is not present. That's at your family supper. That's at your business meal. That even is a table of enemies. Friends, that is where Christ comes to embody the very message of the gospel. So as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, may we go forth to live out that good news. And as we go, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways this day and all of our days. Amen. Amen.